This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Ah, uh, yeah. The coffee is good here. Um, and how is the coffee at your place? Welcome to the afternoon. You're listening to 3RRR FM, broadcasting from the mighty corner. The mighty corner. Yeah, well, right. I just see how you, you were so busy doing stuff. I just wanted to get your attention. Sure. And that worked. I know the corner well. I came in on the 96 tram today. Terminates just here opposite Triple R at the mighty corner of uh, Blythe and Nicholson in Indeed. East Brunswick on this. You were saying. I did. Possibly autumnal feeling day. It's, it's for the first day this season. There's mm. a little bit of a chill, perhaps, in the air. And we've spoken about this before when you. Um, if you leave your bed. And then come back to bed and go, oh, it's warm. <laughs> Rather than, oh, what am I doing with these blankets? <laughs> Throw off the doona. Um, look, I'm sure that February will have a little bit of a, a sting in its tail. Yes, there as could, it does. Could be more to come, as there always is. But uh, one thing that uh, this milder weather is doing is it is making winemakers sleep well. Is it? Knowing that uh, the sun due to its photosynthesis mm. kind of things, is uh, making sugars and uh. getting the grapes uh, riper. And we're going to find out about that later on in the show because we've got Duncan Buchanan. Yes. The fabulous plonkster who is somewhere, finally, somewhere down in the morning. He just roams around the morning to Peninsula. Sometimes up in the Grampians looking at his vines. He gets around. <laughs> he, he gets around. He might have given it a nudge. Yes, yeah, somewhat just quietly. There's rumours of him doing himself a bit of a wine injury last night. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think it was beer. Oh, was it beer injury? It was beer because yeah. he was at uh, Hotter Than Hell Festival. But we'll find out about that from mm. our uh, correspondent from outside this area. Yes. Yes. Uh, also, on today's show, we have um, horticultural expert. Yes. Probably would be a good way to, um, to frame this. Yes. Penny Woodward. Mm. And her mastermind subject is, uh, first of all, tomatoes. Yes. Because another thing, sign of the times, sign of the seasons, the Italians are mustering their forces. (laughs) They are. They're they're making the phone calls and getting getting the teams arranged for the weekend. Getting the teams and you designated, right, you put the basil in the bottle. Well, no, you don't do you. I think that's quite some controversial, do. right? Oh, some do. Some do half-half. But, oh. uh, you know, uh, they're probably scrubbing the bottles, getting them all ready Yes, uh, to do tomatoes. But uh, Penny has written probably the most definitive, gorgeous, incredibly, lavishly mm. illustrated book on tomatoes I've ever seen. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah, we might have a chat to it. Self-published too, so yes. an independent publisher and... Uh, there are copies available. So we might have a bit of a chat about that. Also, the very fact when, um, if um, your dearly beloved, Matt, mm. who um, who I won't name because she might hit me, uh, but she might send you out and say, yes. go and get some garlic. Yes. Um, at no time I would say to you, uh, would she mention any uh, specific cultivars of garlic and say, I want you to get this garlic because it has this characteristic. I agree. Most so When I go shopping for garlic, I take note of the country of origin, which obviously needs to be stated by law, and I always preference Australian garlic, but garlic's garlic, and you're saying... No, garlic isn't garlic. You've fallen into my traps. Oils Edmund. ain't oils. Oils ain't oils, Sol, and garlic ain't garlic. No way. No way. <laughs> Some roast really well, some are quite pungent, um, and we're going to find out about that. And also, to tie that up in a nice little bow, you can celebrate the bulb, the allium, growing Mm. underground Mm. at the Minion. I'm saying that wrong, I know I am. It's in in East Gippsland, the Minion Garlic Festival, which will be uh, taking place very, very shortly. Followed by that, um, we're doing a take two on Nick Malouk. Yes, yes. After our false swing late last year, and we'll speak no more of that. We'll speak no more of that. <laughs> I made Nick a very, very special cup of coffee by, yes. by way of penance. Uh, but Nick Maluk is the uh, the chef, the executive chef, the man in the black pants. Mm. I don't think he does that sort of thing. He's far too down to earth and sensible. Um, at the Atlantic. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Apollo Bay Seafood Festival that's coming on. So there's a good reason yeah. to go down the coast. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a split. You can either go East Gippsland and do garlic or you can go the other way. Yeah, it'd be difficult to do both, wouldn't it, unless you own a helicopter. Helicopter. Yeah. Helicopter. Michael Harden. G'day, Michael, if you're listening. Yeah, g'day, Michael. Here you go, mate. Um, and uh, his mastermind subject is fish. 
What do you do with it? Mm. And we will discuss. Because a lot of people get really, really freaked out by this protein. Mm. Um, they just go, oh, I don't, oh no, I, I don't buy fish. It's too hard. Mm. It's too, I just don't know. Mm. Um, so we might have a little bit of a chat to that. And as mentioned before, we'll finish off with uh, the fabulous Dunky Buchanan. I have a food quote from Yogi Berra. From who? Yogi Berra. Yogi Berra. He was a famous American uh, baseball player. Oh. Yeah. I did not know that. He was. Uh, he might have been the ins- inspiration for Yogi Bear. Yeah. I think he was. Right. Because it was sort of around about the same time. Yeah. But he said, mm. you better cut the pizza in four pieces because I'm not hungry enough to eat six. Boom, boom. Yeah, just keep swinging that bat, Yogi. <laughs> <laughs> keep swinging the bat, buddy, uh, which would be good. Uh, I found a saint very, very quickly. Mm. It's been a while since we've done a saint. This is a bit of a, a modern-day saint. Really? Not quite as modern as... Um, uh, Saint Steve of uh, the photocopier Tony Cartridge. And the Tony Cartridges, yes. Yes, no, not him, not him. Uh, Saint Apollonia's Day, mm-hmm. the patron of dentists. Really? Yes, the patron of open mouths. Oh. Yeah, there you go. That's kind of good. And hasn't dentistry improved since that yeah. saint's been, been doled out? Yeah, you wouldn't want to be around in the dentist chair a uh, hundred years ago. No, with a little bottle of whiskey next to it or something. Yes. Just, to, just to numb the... Good luck. Yeah. Or, the, or the hammer. <laughs> just <laughs> the implements. Hit him with a hammer again, <laughs> if you could. <clears throat> um, uh, also, uh, mm. one of the great joys that I have is mm. every the second Wednesday of every month, I've been doing ah, a yes. trivia night down at the Builder's Arms Hotel in yes. Gertrude Street. Now, normally, um, it's been kind of booked out. It's mm. been, a, been a bit of a... Hot ticket. Is it food trivia or is it just general knowledge? Oh, trivia? it is. Look, I tell you what, after about the fourth or fifth month of doing it, you start to sort of run out of food questions. <laughs> I'll be honest, there will be a, a food question. Also, a who yeah. am I yeah. will be a, a, a foodie foodie thing. Oh, that's a top tip. That's a top tip, mm. which um, you can win a magnum of sparkling wine. Mm. But yeah, there's, a, what is it, 250 buck uh, voucher? Mm-hmm. For eating at the Builders Arms. That's what everybody's um, uh, competing for. Which is a good place to eat. And uh, just to let you know that if you're interested in coming along, tables of four or more, that would be great. We'd love to see you. Uh, give the Builders Arms a ring on... Oh, I could give the number, but you probably won't get it. So that's this Wednesday. This Wednesday. This Wednesday. Yeah, anyway. So look Go up the uh, website. Um, there's someone, I think, uh, there's someone on the phone at the moment. If you want to book in, we'd love to see <laughs> Sitting next to the phone waiting for it to ring. God, what are happening? <laughs> anyway, okay. So that's enough of that uh, self-interest. Builder's Arms trivia, all yep. good. Yep. Uh, it's 10 past. We should probably get a move on with this That's uh, not a bad thing. idea. Yeah. How about we uh, pay a little bit of mortgage? And uh, what we might do, because... Um, Nick has an interesting sort of perspective on mm. food and stuff from a chef's point of view mm. of using tomatoes and garlic. We might get them all in together, yeah. so it's going to be a big, happy family. Thank you for joining us here on 3 RFM. We'll be back after this. It's a well-oiled machine. Boom, tish. Uh, here we are. You are listening to Eat It on 3 RFM because it's the afternoon, and uh, that's what you do. And I'm so glad that you have. It's my great pleasure to introduce someone who's got a lovely, lovely bowl of tomatoes, first of all. Penny Woodward, a very, very good afternoon to you. Hi, Cam. Hi, Matt. It's lovely to be here again. And also, um, for the first time, well, actually the second time, but again, we don't want to go into that too much. (laughs) Um, Nick Maluk, you're back. From the Atlantic, the executive chef, the man in the black pants. <laughs> G'day, boys. Thanks for having me back hey. again. G'day, Penny. Nice to meet you. Yes, you too. We've been <laughs> chatting away out there about garlic and tomatoes. You have indeed. And um, you have brought us in a great harvest. And the harvest has been good this year for tomatoes? Uh, yeah, as long as you've been able to keep the water up to them. Yeah. Now, because of the heat and the dry and the lack of water, if you've been not watering enough, you may have ended up with blossom end rot and dead plants and stuff like Say that. Say that again, blossom... So, Blossom and rot. Oh, blossom and rot. Oh, no, that sounds, that sounds terrible. <laughs> it's uh, something to bring a tear to um, a tomato grower. Now, um, just out of curiosity, um, how long have you been involved in this study of plant biology and things like that? Uh, 30, what, 40 years. Yeah, what, what, yeah. what drew you to it? Oh, just a fascination for plants. And I did botany at university and then mm. decided that I was actually more interested in the edible and useful 
plants. So I yes. got into that field more deeply. It's funny, you know, the Italians are so obsessed with food. I, I, I met this old Italian who was looking at a pencil pine. You know, it's yep. beautiful ornamental yep. things. They take ages to grow and get... And he looked at it and he went, Ah, the useless pine. <laughs> and I went, why do you call it a useless pine for? He goes, there's no food. Yes. No food at all is, is that. Now, um, Nick has got this... Ama- You've been looking through this book, haven't you, Nick? I can't put it down. Yeah, the colours. It, it just makes you hungry looking at it, and I haven't even got the recipes yet. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Now, um, so this is a hardcover tome, because it is a tome, um, when did you originally publish this book? And what's it called, first of all? It's called Tomato No-So-Grow Feast, um, and that's basically what it covers. And oh, No-So-Grow. Sorry, no, I thought you were going no, in Japanese. I'm no, sorry. No-So-Grow no Feast. <laughs> No-So-Grow. No-So-Grow and Feast. Feast. And K-S-G-F, I've written it with yes. Karen Sutherland, who's a very well-known local Melbourne person who designs edible gardens, yep. and Janice Sutton, who is a lovely Tasmanian woman who um, has organised all the recipes for the book from chefs from all over Australia. So, And the thing is, and it gets me, and you tell me, Nick, is that it just seems to just cover everything. Well, it's pretty thick for, for starters, but <laughs> we, we've covered off all varieties so far. And we, what, what was that rot called again, Penny, that we spoke about? Blossom End Rot. Yeah, we spoke about Blossom End Rot down... Having down, a chat over yeah, the coffee before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I suffered it a couple of years ago, and I'm like, how can I get rid of it? And? You just have to water consistently. Because really? it's caused by lack of calcium uptake. And But if you water consistently, um, you don't get it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and... It's one of those things that for years and years, um, those that aren't, you know, completely immersed in home gardening, you know, there was only just a couple of types of tomatoes. There was like the big red ones and the small red ones. Was That was sort of it, wasn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, but earlier than that, we did have heirloom tomatoes. So oh, it was only, it's only when they taken. became commercial in the last, you know, 50, 60 years that, mm. we, that we lost the heirloom tomatoes for a while but there have been people ongoingly growing them it's funny penny it's amazing how the pendulum swings isn't it in Mm. in that um here we had this amazing genetic diversity um so much of it which we have lost and then along comes the supermarkets which sort of just funnel everything into just this you know a couple things and one of the analogies i I use is the thing that gets a tomato grower really really excited for supermarkets is the fact that you can hold a tomato outstretched drop it yeah and nothing happens (laughs) i mean bugger taste sorry excuse me folks but um you know they've been been bred for storage for for transport and for keeping for a long time, yeah. um, rather than for flavour. And, and I think one of the ones we have to thank for uh, bringing the cultivars back and, and getting people to talk about tomatoes would be um, the good folk originally in Dramana, the Diggers Club. Yeah, and they're still Is in Dramana. Yes, yeah. as well as St. Earth, but no, yes. they've, you know, yeah, yeah. All, they've, yeah. they've uh, blossomed out. No, absolutely. Out. Yeah, yes. No, they've been really important, but there are yeah. lots of other people doing it too, and part of what the book goes into is... Um, what the Tasmanian Botanic Gardens has been doing. And it was actually published they as they've been um, collecting different cultivars and selling, having a huge tomato seedling sale every year. And last year, as part of the production of this book, they had 200 different cultivars wow. of tomatoes really? for sale just in, as plants. And they have thousands of people turning up. To, and because of that, all these businesses wow. have started in Tasmania Growing tomatoes and selling both the tomatoes but also the seeds. So they're bringing these seeds back into production. And so Diggers has done it, the Botanic Gardens have done it, and there's an amazing woman in New South Wales who's been um, breeding, uh, doing the Dwarf Tomato Project where she's been breeding beautiful coloured tall-growing tomatoes with dwarf tomatoes so that we can grow them on smaller plants. It's better for an urban situation. Yeah. Yeah. And so, therefore, and yes. we've written about all these people in the book in different. And places. these are one of the things we really have to give thanks for, is the fact that uh, so much was at risk of being lost. But so by having people actively engaged within the community to save seeds, yeah, you were able to continue Indeed. species because once you lose them, yeah, they're gone for good. They're gone for good. Yep. 
And so a thousand years of breeding, um, we've lost, of ni- we've lost of 90% breeding. of them. We've still got about 10% left. Wow. Let, That's amazing. Which is, yeah, yeah. Which is let, really let that scary. sink in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, that is, was brought to me in the fact that I've got this glorious book that was published by Taschen. Um, you might have seen it. It's a seed catalogue yeah. from um, the 19th century, French. Yeah. Yeah. And there are all these things mm. that are gone. Nick, you, there was like this red celery. Yeah. Have you ever seen red no, celery? never. No, I, it's gone. There's I, only one I variety of celery. celery. <laughs> oh, it's still going. Yeah, Penny's absolutely. Got it. I grow red celery. <laughs> hey, all is good. <laughs> Sorry. I'd love to see it. How does it it's, taste? Well, it, it's amazing, but it also self-sows, and it's a great plant. But wow. it, it doesn't have the intense crispness. Okay. You know, it, Look, but it's still a fabulous Look kind of weird I'll Bloody Mary succeed. too. <laughs> sort of red on red. Like, that's good to know. Yeah. All right, that is, that is very good to know. Um, I would like to know, and I'm sure some of the listeners would like to know, because this is very much something that is recommended um, by myself. Matt, do you um, stand up with me on this? You're recommending the book, absolutely. It looks amazing. Yeah, it does. Is it um, stupidly expensive? Go to your expensive? local bookshop and it's $60. Okay. Um, $60. But it's, it's 300 and. 76 pages, so yeah, okay. full colour. All right. And look, and so there's the book. We might give it another little um, push at them because this is something um, – Penny has self-published this, so that's probably, I think, with, well, with we two have, others. Yeah, have, there you go. Yeah. Whoa, that was quick. I just <laughs> made it then. Um, but we'd uh, love to see you get it. But um, as well as that, your mastermind subject today – is um, so we've talked about something from the deadly nightshade that grows above ground, but we want to talk about what lurks below this pungent root, this bulb, this allium, garlic. garlic. Indeed, yeah, garlic. Um, yes. Same, same sort of thing. It's like um, go down the shop and get me some garlic, will you? Mm. Um, mm. Should we buy Chinese garlic? No. There you go. Just well, you actually it. shouldn't buy any imported garlic because it's all. Sprayed with methyl bromide. That's yeah, Nicky got in trouble, didn't yeah, you, mate? That's a customs. <laughs> that's Australian customs. So yeah. quite apart from what happens in whatever country it comes from, mm. to come into Australia, it's got to be sprayed with methyl bromide, which is a toxic biocide. So buy Australian garlic. What's a biocide? It kills that anything kills that's things. alive. Yes. Biocide. Death Indeed. of life. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right. Why do we spray with biocide? Um, to stop diseases from coming into Australia that might affect uh, our, our island, industries. Our island continent and yeah, all indeed. that sort of stuff. So you, 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 you neutralise everything by doing this. Yeah. yeah. But it also, it's left on the garlic. So you really, you don't want to buy imported garlic. Right. Um, where do we find fresh garlic? And All um, over the place. You, garlic is one of those things that doesn't have to just be sold in shops. You mm-hmm. can get it on eBay. You can get it on Gumtree. You can get it on Farmhouse Direct, which is an Australia Post company that about 40 different growers sell through. You can go to the Australian Garlic Industry Association website and have a look at some of the growers that are on there. Um, you can go to your local market all sorts that of places. That was an easy one. I yeah, think Nick and I were going, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah, Nick, that sounds good. Yeah, that, but eBay Gumtree. and Gumtree, yep. and they, and it, I, I suppose it's an, a fairly easy thing to ship, isn't it? If you're going to do it quickly in, the, in a couple of days. Yeah, and yeah, it's long, if it's properly cured, it's long keeping as well. So, you know, you can ship it in a way that you couldn't do tomatoes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they get, they're just a mess when you open mm. up the, the bag, mm. isn't it? So someone, yep. oh my God, what happened in here? It's like <laughs> St. Valentine's Day massacre yeah. in here. But garlic, that kind of makes sense. Let's just, qu- you touched on this. How do you store garlic? Uh, it needs to be stored in a low humidity. Low humidity. Um, uh, sorry, so not next fairly, to the proving yeah, part. Not, in, yeah, not okay. in the kitchen, not, not in the bathroom. Not next to the rationale. Yeah, yeah right. Uh, okay. Low humidity, out of direct sunlight. No sunlight. Um, and with a lot of air movement it's, around it's, it. it. So should. put them in a single layer in a in a box, yes. in a in a onion bag. Um, or like a laundry or, or basket type thing. Or plait them, but only in, only in one layer. Only one layer. Yeah. Okay. So that you've got air movement around all of them. Because the whole thing about when you actually harvest your garlic, you actually want to dry it out. You want to dry you those out of few skins too. Yeah. You need to cure it. It needs to be cured for between three and six weeks after you harvest it. Gotcha. Which means hanging it in a similar environment until it's cured. And if you do the wrong thing, Penny, is that when it turns into 
black garlic, you know? No, no. 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 <laughs> is it that simple? Or? Like, no. Um, what, what happens if you do the wrong thing is that you end up with fungal diseases. Okay. So, and they start rotting and, and they get taste the, disgusting. The brown rot sort of on the top of there? Is that like yeah, a fungal you can, type thing? that's rust yes. that you get when it's growing in the garden. What about um, when it goes all dry and shrivelly? Uh, that's a fungal disease. Okay. So, oh, is yeah. it really? That's yeah. fungus that's doing that? Yeah. Yeah. So if you store garlic properly, how long potentially can Depends it last for? Depends on what the garlic t- you're talking about. Right, so let's... if the typical turban garlics, which are the purple-striped skinned Turbans, ones, yes. store for four to five months. If you want to grow a Creole garlic, yes. they'll store for more than 12 months okay. if they're properly cured. But and then they're no, not no, quite bi- as no biocides necessary. No biocides Don't have to necessary. kill everything. And you don't have to spray them with sprout inhibitors, which is what happens to a lot of imported garlic as well. Sprout inhibitors. That's to stop them from sprouting while they're and, sitting and I on I got it, I got it. It's just there was so, there's something sort of inherently evil about that. <laughs> sort of, bring on the sprout inhibitors. Penny, um, when mine starts sprouting on the bench at home, am I just keeping it in the sunlight or should I be keeping it more um, in, the, in a darker place? Or? It's better not to keep it in the sunlight because yeah. that will encourage it to sprout you, you, but you can, still, you can still eat them once yeah. they've sprouted. And they're You've actually, got to take that out, though, don't you? The, no. The, no? no. Okay. Actually, I've heard that. that rumor, Italian, yeah. Especially Italian chefs go, no, you've got to take that green bit out because <laughs> yeah. it'll give you indigestion. <laughs> no. That's not true. No. It's just ah. it's still garlic. I mean, you can Shake eat the, the leaves. The you can eat the leaves of garlic. You can, if they're sprouting like that, you could actually put them all into a small pot, let them let grow leaves, and eat them as garlic sprouts. One of the best things I've ever eaten, Penny, was uh, a garlic sprout that looked like a you know a big leek. I threw it on the barbecue, peeled off the outer layer, yep. a little bit of butter and salt. Yep. Oh my god, yep. it was beautiful. Oh, it was like and, a you know roasted and garlic leek, scapes but. are a gourmet. Treat too. So some some garlics, um, some garlics are soft neck, so they never put up a flower stem. Yes. Others are hard neck, which means yes, that's right. But it's actually called a scape, not a flower stem, because it actually never produces flowers. Right. Um, So a garlic scape is the flower stem, and if you pick it while it's young and tender before it goes solid, it is an absolute gourmet treat. It and is just delicious. And what do you cook it like, like a, a uh, bean? You or cook a, it in the like, same way as you would, say, asparagus. Okay. Um, you can also pickle them. You, yeah. can, you, know, you, do all sorts you see of that at the beginning of the season at the markets at tied the up in the, the little... And yep. um, um, I've talked to the the Chens who are down there yep. at the, the market, and they say... You, um, use it in a stir fry. Yep. It's it's yep. very, very gentle. Now, but what about, um, and I want to get on to the cultivars in a sec, the different characteristics of garlics. Um, garlic chives. Yeah. Is that a separate species yeah. or is that, that's yeah. a separate different thing? Different, Elium tuberosum. Oh, garlic well, is Elium sativum, <laughs> so different species. I thought but we'd see Matt writing, flavor. but he didn't write that one down. That was too quick. I couldn't so sell it. So the garlic chives that we see that is a necessary thing in some dumplings yep. is a different thing. Yeah. Um, your favourite garlics and maybe the characteristics that make them so favoured to you and what to look out for? Um, one of my favourites, um, garlic is divided into 10 or 11 different groups. Gotcha. So when we talk about turbans, that's a group name. The, mm-hmm. the garlics that don't produce scapes, there are two different sorts of those. One's the artichoke group yes. and the other's the silver skin group. Right. The artichoke group is the classic white garlic that you see everywhere. Common um, garden variety, we could say. Yeah, and it's a good workhorse garlic, but you do get some really good flavours amongst them. But some of the flavours are not quite as good. But one Could of my you do that and let's let's do that. Let's define what is a good flavour and a bad flavour in garlic. Okay, sulphur compounds bad flavour. No, think. no, no. All garlic's got sulphur in it, um, and sulphur is absolutely integral to the flavour of garlic. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a chemical reaction that happens when you cut garlic when an enzyme reacts on alanine to produce allicin, and that's the main. Um, Ooh, chemical constituent of, of garlic. Yes. So that's spelled A L L I C I N. There you go. <laughs> I gave up. <laughs> and um, and uh, so, but some of them have a more sort of almost vegetative flavour. Yes. So they're not, they don't have um, necessarily the intense heat that you can get with some garlics. Yes. They don't have the follow through flavour that you can get with some garlics. That's with some of them are almost citrusy or fruity or. There are, a there are some really long, long flavour rather than just a punch rather in than the mouth. just the punch. Yep. Yeah. So, and, um, and some of the creoles, um, which are you, they're sometimes called rose garlic. So yes. you have a white skin and bright burgundy cloves, mm. and they peel them back so that you can see the bright burgundy yes, coming yes, through the, and they look fabulous. So, 
but they're not quite as big as the artichokes or the turbans, so they haven't been as popular, and the cloves are a bit smaller, so they're more of a nuisance to yeah. peel. And they are a nuisance to peel. Um, they can be, They yes. can be a very nuisance yeah. to peel. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that... I like the my, one of my favourite is the cre- are the creoles and Penny and and tell me Nick if you agree with this there's sort of the two ends of the spectrum where you're using garlic one is where you want the pungency of those enzymes just being uh, awakened with air one side so the real smacky in the head full on pungent type of garlic and then there's the long slow caramelised sort of things when you roast garlic and these are sort of completely different uses of the same bulb and I would think that some are better than others for either of those. Yeah, well it's one of the things that we've explored on this um, flavour chart that we've got here where we talk about the, the groups that are better for crisping um, and sautéing and others that need to be slowly sautéed and the ones that are best for roasting mm. and the ones that are best for raw. Okay. Um, so creoles are really good for um, raw because uh, they've got a real heat. Most of them have got a lot of heat to them. Um, and they're also good for roasting, but you need to crisp saute them to okay. get good flavour from them. Now, Penny, you've got an awesome little chart here that you have produced. Yep. Um, is there any way that people can get a hold of that online? Is that, um, is that available be, online? It will be up on our new website in the next couple of months. Which so website which is that? Which is the Australian be... Garlic Industry Association okay. website. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask something a little bit cheeky here. Um, and I'll see if Matt, my fabulous producer, mm. will agree with me. Is it possible that we take a photo of it and put it on the on our web, or would you like to? Would I, you rather like to hang on to it? I'll send you the digital. You'll send us a digital. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Okay. Um, what do you think, Matt? And then we can put that up, and then people yeah, can look, we're, we're first put a call. We're trying to get the word out about yeah, well, this. So and we an spoke to you about two years ago. I think twenty no twenty fifteen. Yeah, three. Arithmetically challenged. Um, also, um, there is something happening in East Gippsland. The word has got away that uh, uh, the garlic. Uh, Menian Garlic Festival, Menian. which is into its third year this year. So, it, and it's on next Saturday. Mm, so, uh, if you want to know anything about garlic, if you want to buy your garlic supplies for the year, there's going to be about 12 different garlic growers there. They've literally got tons of garlic. Menian is just north of Wilson's Prom. I was going to ask where Menian so, is. I'm yeah. from East Gippsland. I've never heard <laughs> <Yeah>. of it. <laughs> well, it's just north of Wilson's okay. Prom, so okay. up, in, up in that region up there. Uh, so, And if you just put Menian Garlic Festival into your search engine, there it, is. it will Thanks, come Cam. up. There it it is. will tell you how to, where <laughs> it is and, and everything that's happening. So, yeah, it's a hop, skip and a jump, if you're very good at doing all those things, uh, from Wilson's Prom. So it's probably yeah. about, uh, what, 20 minutes from the prom? Yeah. Yeah, around yeah. about that. It's about 90 minutes from Melbourne. Uh, so. Closest railway station and stuff like that if people I'm want to come down? I'm not sure, but if you go on the website, you'll find yeah, right. all that information. Yeah, and I'm giving two talks during the day. There's, gonna, there's a lot of very interesting people talking yeah, at that. there are. And there are chefs demonstrating and talking and there are workshops. Alejandro Sarieva, I think, is going to be You can have there. garlic... Beer and garlic ice cream. Wow. Wow. And a whole lot of <laughs> yeah, different dude. garlic things. Yeah. So, so when, when too much garlic is barely enough. Indeed. And I'll have my tomato book and garlic book for sale. Oh, great. For anyone okay. who wants uh, it. Again, where do we get this book? Bookshops. A oh, bookshop. <laughs> nice. And it's like, where do I buy a car? Go to a car dealer. Yeah, yeah that, that, that makes sense. It sort of follows. What but bigger book? Like, okay, reading, they, readings, uh, readings in, in Carlton? Readings definitely got it. Avenues got it. Um, okay. Matt's you know, and and other independent book. bookshops. Uh, you know, it is widely in bookshops at the moment. Done. Diggers Club, they got Diggers copies? Diggers have got it. Yeah, yeah all right. It's... Yeah. Um, um, Nick agreed. It's it's a worthwhile investment. Sixty bucks. I'm going to the bookshop after and get one. You don't Thank really. You. Thank Penny you, said she she would she would hook me up, but she doesn't have her car here. She usually has them in the booth. So oh, okay. <laughs> All righty. Um, Penny, we're going to keep having a chat to Nick because we wanted to talk about that. Uh, oh, the protein that freaks everybody out. It seems a lot of people get really really. Um, um, intimidated by cooking fish at home and I thought maybe we'd talk about that and also you're going to be going out west because uh, there's going to be a lot of seafood happening around Apollo Bay, correct? Apollo Bay, here we come. Yeah, the Apollo seafood Bay. festival. It is 12.32. Oh, and Penny, if you want to hang around, you're more than welcome if you want to add something to how we add garlic to fish and stuff like that. So please, feel free. We'll just be one big happy family here today. Yeah. 
And we're with you here on 3 FM. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday. Um, this sort of first autumnal kind of Sunday. And uh, Matt's got some interesting music. And you can probably hear it now because you said it sort of has to develop. It has a Euro feel. And we like it. And here I was going to talk about, you know, Dan Hunter being there and Nick being there <laughs> and the corn dog being there, talking about very, very important things. But Nick Barker. <laughs> Nick Barker. Are you, are you going to hang out? Headlining. Yeah, it must be. Can you, can you bring back an autograph, buddy? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, I'll see what I can do. This isn't your first one of those, is it? Uh, I did one in Lake Sentience last year. I think it's the same thing, but, you know, different seaside village. Different thing. Now, yeah. we should probably just uh, do a little little check here and just go, good afternoon. It is 12.38 here on 3 Triple RFM. You're listening to Eat It with Cam Smith and across from me writing frantically. Hello, I'm Matt Stedman. Yeah, because yes. we just had Penny Woodward and um, she has just bombarded you with things. Also, Nick Malouk from The Atlantic, who's going to be heading up the coast uh, when does this thing take place? Kicks off on Friday night, and we're doing a what's it called? Down the Hatch dinner, we've called it. Oy. So every, everything local we can get from Apollo Bay, and a few things from around the region. Oh my god! Slapping on what a, a menu. region it is! Yeah, amazing. I mean, you can grow root hairs on a matchstick on the soil around there. <laughs> That's hey. one way to put it. <laughs> hey. No, but it, it, it is. I mean, there's um, this is the 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 classic, the Western districts of. Um, of Victoria, some of the most productive lands in the country, mm. you'd have to say, wouldn't you? Mm. I've been um, I've been doing a little bit of research of what grows around the oh, area. Right, okay. uh, what you come up with? Well, what are you going to get? <laughs> I've been I've been scoping out the mushrooms a lot because you know yeah. the, the Otway mushrooms there. They're amazing down there. I've the actually forest put, Otway mushrooms. Or the shiitake mushrooms. Yeah, the ones yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, put, no, when I'm saying forest, I think that's the name of the company. Ah, uh, yep, yep. yep. <laughs> so I've, I've actually integrated them onto my menu so I can start doing the preparation and using them before I go down to Apollo Bay. You're going to so. get a shiitake log? No, I'm not, but I, I might they, get they, one. I've, I've seen them. They look amazing. Yeah, they do. They, you know? They, really they look do. like a cartoon or something. Yeah, this is um, uh, people that have been cultivating shiitake mushrooms there for quite a while now. Mm. Um, and the flavour is extraordinary. And they're beautiful. They don't all look the same, you know? They're, they're all different sort of shades of brown and uh, shapes and sizes. They're good. And what other things are you going to get? What else is good around there? I'm just trying well, to bring up uh, forest mushrooms. But... S- seafood, obviously. So I'm using, you know, their scallops, their crayfish, their abalone. I'm using things. So they, they told me when I did a bit of a scouting mission down there that they have uh, wakami growing there, and it's an introduced species. So we've yeah. been <laughs> we've been getting the boys from the co-op to go down and, like, harvest this wakami for me, yeah. and they're bringing it back down on Monday, and we've... Uh, you know, we're drying some out. Can you describe wakami for those that haven't seen it? It's different from kombu, which is the really, really thick one yeah. used for making dashi. Mm. Wakami is sort of a more um, a smaller sort of fronds. It's, it's hard to describe. Well, that's right, not what hard are you going to use it for? It's not for stocks, but you actually make salads sort of out of it. Yeah, it's beautiful yeah, in yeah. a salad. The texture is amazing. So yeah. we're going to use. Uh, we're not going to use some raw. Actually, we're drying it out. Mm. And I'm using some in a sort of a local exo sauce that we're making from the dried out scallops that I'm doing. What's from exo Germany? sauce? I don't know. It's a it's a it's a it's a Chinese sauce, and it's it's, it's okay. How about this? It's a, a umami bomb. It's, yeah, it's a umami bomb. Yeah, yeah it is. So it's you, just like bang, and everyone's got their different ones, you know. It's, but like traditionally, a bit of uh, dried shrimp, scallop. You've and got to have dried scallop in it. It seems that, that this seems... flavour you get from the scallops is yeah. amazing. So after I did a little bit of research on XO, it's the I think they use some Japanese or Ch- Chinese scallop, a really large scallop, right? Yes. So I'm using the local ones with the roll in it, and Ooh. so it, the you know, sexual organs, and it's super sweet, right? This yes. this super sweet bastrate scallop, and we're just getting a really, really great, well-rounded umami flavour that's coming out through it, and it's really good. So in that as well, mm. we're putting the wakami, and we're putting the shiitakes from the Otways as well. So. And this it's a is, real local one. Here's something you guys can do for homework out there, folks, is um, just do a little Google search on ExoSource because, let's face it, it beats having train crash on the uh, on the table and, you know, putting a bit of white crow on stuff. <laughs> um, 
Quite but, seriously, an exosource is just a glorious thing. And um, if you do have some, I think you'll probably be fine. You'll be using it for a lot of things. You had exosource much before, Matt? I haven't, I haven't done it myself, although I know um, there's you, one Adam Liao book where he has a great recipe uh, oh, as to... And he says, make your exo on the weekends when you've got the time. Yes. And then you can, he shows you how to store it. And then you can use just whack it on stuff midweek when you've got no time. What whack are you serving the, the exo with? At the restaurant? On, with... No, at uh, the at, festival at and the, the restaurant. At the, at the festival, I'm doing it on a whole baked blue eye <gasps> and a little mm. bit of like a rice pilaf underneath. So it's sort of taking that Asian twist, but it'll just go with the blue eye beautifully, I think, and it's traditionally served with rice. We tested a few out the other day. It was, it was pretty good. I love blue eye. But blue eye is one of those things that if you don't like fish, blue eye is your fish. Well, it is. Don't you think? Because it, cause it's there's, so there's, clean. It's it. it like, it's got this flavour, but you, it's like you're eating nothing at all sometimes. The bones are big, so <laughs> yeah. they, they're not, you know, you will see them before they hurt you. Yeah. Which is it. something that really freaks people out. There's two things, it seems, or oh, three things that freak people out about fish. First of all, whole fish. Fish that watches you eat it while you eat it. <laughs> um, that's a bit of a bad thing. Um, secondly, um, the smell, supposedly, mm. that you, you know, you have. Um, and it's, that is something that seems to put people off from cooking fish at home the smell of fish yeah yeah Yeah. look i'm the same and Mm. uh, my wife sometimes goes down and you know gets the piece of salmon from the fishmonger or you know wherever you go and i can tell every time she's cooked it because after work at 11 or 12 o'clock when i get home it still lingers in the house it's horrible that's the fats isn't it yeah yeah it is the fats those nasty fats that um that they have but there's ways around it like you know we've got a little barbecue outside or you know we'll cook it in the oven or you know stuff like that confit yeah confit why not confit of salmon is a glorious thing but that does require a bit of specialist equipment known as a thermometer (laughs) which isn't that specialized really i mean you know that's the that's the thing um also one of the things i really suggest to people who are freaked out by fish is uh, a little French term, the cooking in the paper bag or uh, en papillot. Um, yeah, I can't say it. I'm not French. <laughs> uh, that's why I said but, that it's just go in the but, paper bag, which doesn't have to be a paper bag. It just has to be some foil. That's it. It's just to seal in the seal in all the juiciness and goodness, and it's an amazing way to cook. And dare I say that if you're adding the um, some good aromatics to it, oh. um, one of the joys of doing it in that style is bringing it out to the table mm. and then opening it up and you get instead of nasty cooking fish you get the cooked fish plus the aromatics mm. um and it works really really well and the good thing with that you get all the flavor in the bag like all the juices that are just in the bag that's you would lose otherwise cooking it in a different method what's in your bag <laughs> in my ideal bag i'd put some asian flavors yeah I think. a bit of lemongrass maybe maybe some curry leaf or something a yeah. bit of citrus yeah you know whatever you've got around on hand yeah you know, it's just all right I, I think those asian flavors in a in a whole bag of fish is is beautiful so name those ingredients again what do you got lemongrass curry lemongrass, leaf curry leaf kaffir lime a little bit of chili ginger Ooh. Galangal, Galangal, why Galangal. not? <laughs> um, so there's the use of Galangal. All right, I'll go Northern. A little bit of garlic, but maybe just a milder garlic so it doesn't overpower the fish too much. Yes. Mm. Okay, I'll go a little bit Northern Hemisphere and uh, maybe. All right, let's uh, let's go Northern Hemisphere. Thyme, thyme, bay leaf there. and fish. Beautiful. Bay leaf, nice, yeah. nice. Maybe some. Uh, Maybe some tin cherry tomatoes. Oh, yeah. Hey, that's easy. I mean, Why not? This is something you're just opening up a can and um, you're just putting it in. You, you sort of make like a little tent. You sort of fold the foil, make it so that it sits up and then just go around it and pinch, pinch, pinch and roll so that it has... Think of it as like a little tent over the top because you actually want a space in there that can produce that steam. You do. And you're steaming the fish essentially as well. So, yes. Yeah. So it's kind of healthy. You're not, not using too much um, fat. Although I'd probably, if I'm going by Northern Hemisphere thing, little, I'd be little putting... glug of oil. Yeah. <laughs> are, you using, oil. are you putting sesame oil in, in yours? No, we're not. We're no? Not. No. No, okay. <laughs> what about exo sauce? You can actually just a little bit of exo sauce in there. And... Absolutely. I've got a jar at home. When I did the testing, I took a little jar home. And like, like you guys were saying, I just mm. you know, put it on anything. You know, if I've got a little bit of leftover rice... Or a lift up, leftover plain little bit of pasta in the fridge, exo sauce on there. It's bloody Ex- beautiful. Exo sauce. Um, now, I know you're, you're dealing with some of the finest fish um, that come from around the country, and that must be 
a joy every well, I'm day. I'm very lucky, very lucky. You, you yep. do, and you, I've, I've seen, you know, you pointing to your children, going, look at that, that thing is mm. amazing. I know they're your children, and they're all very, very talented. Mm. Have you got a favourite child? <laughs> you know I can't say that, Ken. Come on, they're not listening. They're in, a, they're, they're in the cool room, and it's all closed. Uh, well, okay, top three. Top three. School whiting. Oh, there we go. They're coming out. Red mullet. Red mullet. Jeez, Ken. I know, mate. I know, mate. We John can... Dory. Whoa, there it is, John Dory. And, okay, now why? The why, uh, first of all, clean taste. Look, it's all nostalgic, really. It's all, it all comes back from, they yeah, all come narrative. from Lake's entrance. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I sort of grew up with this fish. Mm. And I grew up sort of uh, eating it first off. Then cleaning it when I started getting into kitchens and, you know, catching the odd one here or there. No, I didn't catch any John Dory or Red Mullet yes. or Whiting for that matter. But <laughs> <laughs> got a few flatheads. Yeah, you got a few <laughs> rat tails. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. oh, flathead's a good one as well. How can I leave that out of the top three? Oh, because it's, it's something that um, we, as you say, these are all nostalgic fish. And as we were growing up, flathead were something to be disdained, really, because A... They were butchered differently, where you still had the, um, the, I don't know what those bones are. You probably Rib bones? That. Rib bones. Yeah, yeah nice, nice. <laughs> um, and, but then they discovered that you could do flathead tails, yeah. um, which gave you something that immediately doubled the bloody price. Of yeah, them. yeah. Um, but yeah, flathead are awesome. Uh, red mullet are sort of the classic thing that we think of in maybe a bouillabaisse. Yeah, bouillabaisse. For awesome, awesome colour and flavour. And John Dory is just one of the, it's just the, the great fish. Yeah. It's a rock star of fish, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, we're getting the wind up because we're going to have to talk about booze. So, again, um, let's see. Uh, the festival is on next weekend, starting from Friday, starting going from all Friday. the way through. We're sold out on the Friday night for the dinner, which is a great thing to be. It's sold out, but mm. we can still get you a ticket if you want, Cam. Maybe oh. we'll put you out the back or something. You oh, might have to wash okay. a few dishes. have to do the dishes. Clean, <laughs> clean a few fish. Off but, you go. Uh, we're doing a little barbecue on the Saturday as well, and then Sunday we're doing a wrap-up barbecue with the conversations. What is that? Conversations of a chef or something like that? They're going to kill me for not remembering the Yeah, name. you're going to get in trouble for that. But <laughs> There's well, something uh, about conversations. We're having a barbecue. So <laughs> what, what, I, what I'd suggest you do, look up Apollo Bay Seafood Festival. There is going to be some really quite mighty talks that are going to be happening because there's some really interesting minds that are coming down. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you said you want another country boy who's going to be coming down, Dan Hunter, I yep. mentioned before. He's coming down from Bray. Yep. Um, and actually, a little thing we're looking forward to speaking to him mm-hmm. in the future. It's something we are very much looking forward to. Maybe, okay, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> that was just in case you're wondering what's happening. No, no, he was doing the, the double in, wind up. in both directions, <laughs> no. which means wind up means you've gone way over time. But um, sorry, Nick, it's just been too fascinating talking to you. Come back. And uh, we sort of covered fish. I would like to maybe have a quick chat about crustaceans and mollusks and other things like that. Definitely, it's a date. It's a date. All right, that is kind of <laughs> good. Uh, Duncan Buchanan's been going to be on the phone. If you've got a race away, I understand. If you want to hang around and uh, talk a bit of wine <laughs> and a bit of uh, what happened to you at the Hotter Than Hell Festival, Duncan Buchanan, <laughs> uh, we'll do that very shortly, 12.50 here on 3RRR. We better get a move on, should we, mate? Yeah. Okay. What sort of drink you want? What sort of drink you want? Make it a double. Yeah. Let's drink. Give it any more, Captain. I was just watching watching Matt just pushing those levels up, and it was like I felt like Scotty down the bridge. She can't go any faster. And uh, here's someone. Can you go any faster, Duncan Buchanan? I probably can't go much slower today, Cam. <laughs> oh. How are you both? Oh, the laconic. Better, better the than laconic you one. from the sound. Hey, go, mate. <laughs> Look, I'm good. Hey, but, um, yeah, I'm doing well. How good's that Nick bloke you just had on? <laughs> we were just saying that, actually. He's... Um, He's, uh, he's not bad. He, and uh, Matt's uh, comment as, as he was going out going, he's too nice to be a head chef. Yeah, I did hear that, and there was an expletive there too. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're, 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 you're quite right. Um, but, yeah, a good reason to uh, to go down to the banks of uh, the Yarra 
uh, and go and try his food, shall we say. And uh, yeah, also, yeah, I love that the chat of fish that you guys have was really good. I love that you managed to talk up flatty tails towards him because you know it goes really well with flatty tails, Cam. Beer. Riesling. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Your uh, off-tasted variety. My, um, oh, no, I just really do it just to, to give you a G up. And uh, actually, the terrible thing is I'd probably say that I prefer German Riesling. Well, that's fine, mate. As long as you're drinking Ooh. it, I'm a happy man. No, no, I'm, I'm, well. I'm being, I'm being uh, nasty. Uh, Riesling, one of my favourite things for Riesling is um, uh, when you do a really, really nice buttery leek tart and you need uh, something to mm-hmm. cut across all those uh, sweet flavours and also the butter that's in there and that bechamel in the pastry. Yum. Love yes. Riesling oh, with indeed. that. And the more indeed. lemony and, uh, and sort of acid-driven, the better. Yeah, completely agree. And as a man with a slight hangover, Cam, you're really getting the taste buds going at the moment. Yeah, well, that's, really that's, the, that's <laughs> the joy of uh, what do you need when you have a hangover? Fat. Fat yes, will indeed. save me. Um, so maybe yeah. you should do that. Maybe you make a little bit of pastry. Done it's cool and enough. That's it's, it. and, and, that's, and the weird thing is it sort of seems to be cool enough this Sunday to do it. And that sort of brings us to an interesting juncture in talking about the ripening of grapes. Indeed, yeah, yeah. It's, um, yeah, it, as everybody has known, like, the, January was, as you've quoted before, hotter than hell. Like, it was one of the hottest on record. Um, I think it was and, the hottest on record. Yeah, exactly. And, mm. uh, well, the same, Port Augusta got to 49.6 or something. It's not Victoria, but that... Yeah, Adelaide really, had I mean, the hottest just, temperature ever recorded. Mm-hmm. So, to see this, I mean, if you have a look at the, the um... The weather coming up for the next week. It's actually a winemaker's dream, a grape grower's dream. It's just mm. lovely on the peninsula in Melbourne. So, yeah, mid to high 20s, not a lot of wind, bit, you know, a little bit of sun coming out. So, mm. it's just a bit of sweet relief. And the, we're at that stage now, uh, to be to be straight, so a lot of areas are starting to p- are picking already. Like Hunter will be just about done. The Riverina, they're starting. I know they're, they're going to start speaking, picking for sparkling in the Yarra probably tomorrow. So, Things are grapes are pretty fragile at the moment. They're getting nice and soft and nice and sweet, and a good belt of sunlight, like direct sunlight and direct heat, and and the wind that we've been having, having that can Ooh. wreak havoc with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, so, it's, yeah. it's I, I really, I, I we we've you've been the butt of cruel jokes from us. Let's face it, over the years. That's fine, but that's okay. <laughs> I know, I know. But I, I really do feel for you know all gross like. Okay, cherry grows. Oh my god, they must just oh, freak man. out and just say, "Are you sleeping?" No. Mm-hmm. Um, before you know, you actually get them in. But it's the same for you guys. Like, um, and especially with the uh, the longer ripening uh, vines. Now, what's uh, Cabernet? Is Cabernet the last thing still to come in? Typically, yeah, yeah, yeah roundabout. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep, yep. So, um, just let me know. So, you've got skin in this game, and we've never actually, or it's been a while since we've actually defined it. Um, first of all, what is the name of your label? Like, if we want oh. Duncan Buchanan's wine, I don't think we've ever been oh. kind enough to actually <laughs> tell people that. So, what, what's your, what, is, what are you doing? Uh, it's called Pro- my label is called Prosimo, which is the Italian word for next. Because I don't know, there's always something more to do, isn't there? There's, there's oh, the yes. next season, there's the next vineyard oh, yes. operation. Yeah. But more importantly, there's the next bottle, which I like. The next bottle in so front of us. When, when, um, and that comes from that comes from because you've got um, a parcel of land up in the Grampians that you look after. Indeed, and uh, I've got one down here too on the peninsula. So the idea is I wanted to do um, varieties that do well from the particular regions. Yes. So peninsula Pinot, uh, Grampians, I do a Shiraz from there. If I can, I've got my own little Riesling vineyard up there. I'd love to be able to do a Riesling from uh, a Riesling from up there. But what I want, I want to have for me, it's the um, stability of my fruit that comes in, and yeah, I need that that consistency to have the, to have the vineyards long term. And the vineyards that I've got now, I do. I've got those long term. So I think people who buy the wines would be happy to see a bit of vintage variation, but they don't want to see variation between vineyards. You know mm. what I mean? So if yep. you're scratching, I don't want you scratching around each year just trying to get some, some fruit in the bowl. That's not what I want to do. I want to have good vineyards long-term so I can really start to work those paddocks because that's where you can make the difference by, you know, working the paddocks well. You can really start to um, get some better results out of that, you know, for, for your wines. Like I've said a million times, the e the best wines that we make are the easiest ones to make because mm. you just get just spectacular fruit and just don't get in its way. Just let it ferment, get it in the barrel, you know, and just let it do its thing. So you need to have those vineyards long term in order to be able to make those um, 
they make those quality sort of improvements, I suppose. So the less intervention, the better for you. Indeed, absolutely. I don't want to work hard, Cam. I'm a lazy old man. And uh, the, 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 the more work I can put in the vineyard, the less I have to do in the winery. Yes, yes, yes. Have good fruit that comes through. Exactly. I mean, if you want to make a good quality anything, what do you do? You have good quality ingredients. Uh-huh. And the only, ingre- the only ingredient, I mean, what, you know, if you're going to make your leek tart, you're not going to buy baggy-ass leeks from bloody coals or something. You're going to try and get some decent... You're trying to get a hold of some diesel ones, aren't you? you I'm, you, I'm you, just you, trying to think of the mental image of a baggy-ass leek. Oh, there you go. Wow, you've fallen on hard times. Leek, you've changed for the better. <laughs> yeah. And we have one ingredient, and that is wine grapes. So put a lot yeah. of work into getting those right, and it should work. Well, um, I guess what we might say is we'll we'll raise a glass to you uh, all and sundry. Just be careful if you're on the road and you're doing that. Please don't do that. Um, but uh, we wish you, um, all the winemakers uh, around the state, um, yeah. a successful vintage because, um, well, we look forward to um, it. I think it looks like it could be a really, really lovely finish to the season. Let's hope, huh? Exactly. I, I think so. I think so. There, there are some decent... Um, I've seen a lot of very good canopies out. There's some great-looking fruit. There's, um, yeah, they're not quite as heavy as last year, so we've got some more moderate crops, which does help with the quality aspect of it. And uh, it would get this sort of weather going. Uh, I think we're, we're in relatively good shape, but still there's... It's still... It's only early Feb. What have we got today? The 10th. Um, so it's still early Feb. There's still, this is typically our warmest month. So yeah. there's a lot of weather that can happen between now and picking. So we just, as you know, keep our fingers crossed and our eyes scotted and hope everything goes okay, realistically. Done. All right, But the, uh, but, but the potential's there. All righty. Um, look, we better leave you because uh, the afternoon progresses here on 3 Triple RFM. And uh, it's my utter delight to, uh, to say that still here is on next. Yes. Um, hang on, Neil. He's ready to go. Big wave. He's going, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> Woo! Okay. Um, stay tuned, folks. Duncan, always a pleasure. Look forward to hearing how the vintage goes in the next couple of weeks, buddy. <laughs> oh, he's gone. <laughs> Leaked hard. All right, we better go too. That was funny. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Look forward to seeing you next week. All right. Hit it, Neil. See you later. Bye. This has been a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.